Welcome back to Sad Girl Study Guides. As always, I'm your host, Amelia, and as always, I'm sad. Even though I'm sad, I do want to wish all my listeners a very happy new year. Here's you hoping that 2020 is slightly less of a hellfire than 2019 is, although, to be totally honest, I'm not all that optimistic about it because that would be wildly out of character for me. Also, um, there might be the sound of either turkeys or dogs in the background of this episode because I'm recording at my parents' house and that is a thing that might happen. I'll do my best to edit any animal noises out post-production, but just a small warning. So, today's study guide subject, Louis Bonaparte. I find Louis vaguely relatable because he was extremely depressed and liked to write bad poetry, which was essentially me throughout my teenage years, but he was also extremely annoying, which was also me throughout my teenage years and into my 20s. If you learned about Louis Bonaparte in history class, which was extremely unlikely, it's probably because his son eventually became Napoleon III, one of France's few emperors. Louis' study guide includes bad poetry, sulking around in baths, and an epic custody battle. Let's begin. Louis Bonaparte was born September 2nd, 1778 in Corsica. Once again, surprise, surprise, his parents are Carlo and Letizia Bonaparte. Louis is the fifth of the eight surviving Bonaparte children, and he is nine years younger than his oh-so-famous older brother. As a result of this age gap, Louis is only a baby when Napoleon leaves Corsica to attend military school in France, and the two siblings won't really meet until Napoleon returns to Corsica upon Carlo's death in 1784 from stomach cancer. However, once the two meet when Louis is around seven years old, Napoleon is completely enamored of his younger brother. He decides that Louis has the most potential out of any of his younger siblings and puts himself completely in charge of Louis's education. In 1791, Napoleon takes Louis to France with him to be in charge of his younger brother's education. The two live together in Napoleon's army barracks, and Napoleon makes himself Louis's tutor. He teaches Louis French, geography, history, and math. Napoleon claims that Louis is the greatest student ever, and all of the local girls are in love with him because Louis is so cute and charming, but the truth is a little bit more complicated. Apparently, Louis doesn't love the whole setup, he isn't that interested in his education, and he really just wants to go back home to Corsica so he can be with the rest of his family. However, in hindsight, it was probably good that Louis was in France with his brother and not in Corsica because by now we're in 1792, 1793, and Lucien Bonaparte is busy isolating himself and the rest of the Bonaparte family from the Corsican government and the entire family is getting kicked off the island. So yeah, it was good that Napoleon had Louis in France. In 1794, Napoleon decides that Louis's education has been so great that it's time for Louis to become a soldier. After all, he's 16 years old. That's the perfect time for a child to enter the army. By 1794, Napoleon is a general. He's high-ranking in the French army, so he's able to pull some strings and get the very underqualified Louis, a job in the French army as a sub-lieutenant, and slightly more importantly, get him into an artillery school. Remember, Napoleon's career in the army had also started out at an artillery school. 
So it seems like Napoleon is trying to set his younger brother up to be a bit of a Napoleon 2.0. As far as I was able to tell, Louis does fine at the artillery school. We don't hear of any major mishaps. Two years later, in 1796, Louis gets a job as, surprise, surprise, Napoleon's aide-de-camp, which means the two brothers are reunited. Napoleon is thrilled because he gets super sulky whenever Louis isn't around, which is a little too interdependent for my liking. Look, I have a twin sister. We're really close, but I'm able to survive when we aren't, like, in the same room. As Napoleon's aide-de-camp, Louis is going to work with his big brother on the Italian campaigns, and he actually does a pretty decent job in Italy. He even manages to save Napoleon's life at one point, and as a result, he gets a legitimate, not just nepotistic, promotion to captain. And for a hot second, it looks like Louis actually is really good at the whole soldiering thing. Maybe he really is going to be Napoleon 2.0 on his own right. However, it's during the Italian campaigns that Louis starts falling into this habit of getting sick whenever the going gets tough and starts leaving the battlefield to go to various spas to recover. Some of these illnesses are definitely real. For example, it's around this time that Louis starts suffering from a pretty serious knee injury that he had gotten during his time in Italy, but some of these illnesses are imagined because, as it turns out, Louis is more than a little bit of a hypochondriac. It's also around this time that Louis starts to suffer from some serious depressions that are going to plague him for the rest of his life. Napoleon is not a fan of his brother's mental and physical ailments. He tells him, snap out of it, baby bro. We've got to go conquer Egypt. But Louis says, no, I need to recover from my illness. And more importantly, Louis is in the middle of an epic love affair with the daughter of a former nobleman, and he wants to wrap that up. Napoleon forces him to break off the affair and goes as far as to marry the girl to someone else. Louis does not handle the breakup well. He falls into a bad crowd in Paris, aka he says he's going to quit the soldiering life and become a poet. Napoleon says, absolutely the fuck not, forces him to return to the army and go to Egypt with him. As it turns out, Louis hates Egypt and is a complete nuisance for the entire trip. Instead of fighting in any of the big Egyptian battles, he just says he's sick the entire time, skivs off, and goes to visit various tourist sites. Louis is such a nuisance during the Egyptian campaign that Napoleon ends up sending him home early. He sends Louis back to France to deliver messages to the directory, the French government at the time, about Napoleon's victories and to request that more troops be sent to the Middle East. Louis does it, but he's also sort of whiny about the entire thing. He keeps complaining about how the boat he was sent back on wasn't good enough, and he never quite manages to convince the directory to send Napoleon more troops, which means that France isn't going to manage to colonize Egypt. Tragic. After the Egypt campaign, Louis is going to continue living in Paris. He's going to keep suffering from his various real and imagined illnesses, and he's going to sit out the 1799 coup of Brumaire, which is what catapults Napoleon to power in France. Honestly, it makes sense that Louis isn't really partaking in the coup. After all, he's only 21. He's not exactly high up in either the government or the army, unlike his older brothers, Joseph or Lucien Bonaparte. So, what could he have done? He probably only would have caused trouble for Napoleon. Even though Louis doesn't partake in the coup, he still gets stuff out of it. He gets a huge promotion 
after Napoleon comes to power. He's no longer an aide-de-camp. Suddenly, Louis is in charge of the 5th Dragoons. But he's not exactly going to do a great job at leading the Dragoons. His first command as the head of the Dragoons is to fight against the Austrians. And as soon as he's given the order, Louis nopes out of there, leaves Austria, and goes straight to a spa to heal his various illnesses and to write some poetry. If any other commander had done this, Napoleon probably would have had them executed on the spot. But it's Louis, and Napoleon loves Louis and refuses to recognize that Louis maybe isn't cut out to be a military leader. Napoleon famously says that Louis has none of Lucien and Joseph's defects and all of their good qualities, which is questionable. In my opinion, and I'm definitely not biased, Lucien definitely had many more good qualities than Louis so far. After the failure of leading the dragoons in Austria, Napoleon then attempts to send Louis to Russia to lead a diplomatic mission, but once again, Louis pieces out of there and goes to hang out in Berlin instead. So far, his track record isn't great. By now, we're getting into 1801-1802. Napoleon is the first consul of France, and Louis is more trouble than he's worth. To avoid him causing yet another military diplomatic incident, Napoleon decides that maybe it's time for Louis to get married. After all, his two other brothers are married, and neither of those marriages were really politically or diplomatically all that great. Remember, Joseph had married the daughter of a merchant, and Lucien, God bless his soul, had married his housekeeper's illiterate daughter. So everything rests on Louis. But remember, Louis was in love with the daughter of a former nobleman, which politically isn't great. Sure, Napoleon isn't some radical revolutionary who is cutting off the heads of former nobles, but he doesn't want to completely bring back the Ancien Regime, so that relationship can't happen. Napoleon thinks for a little bit and comes up with a solution. He decides that Louis is going to marry Hortense de Beauharnais, a.k.a. Josephine's daughter, a.k.a. Napoleon's stepdaughter. Neither Louis nor Hortense is exactly thrilled with this arranged marriage. Neither one is exactly attracted to each other. Hortense is aggressively in love with a completely different guy, Christophe Duroc, one of Napoleon's closest friends and advisors, which makes the entire relationship more than a little tricky. But what Napoleon wants, Napoleon gets. So Louis and Hortense end up getting married to each other on January 4th, 1802. At the time of the wedding, Louis is 23 and Hortense is 18. So they're both pretty young. And while there is a five-year age gap, it's not quite as creepy as age gaps tend to be when we're talking about Napoleon. In my opinion, in a radically different life, Louis and Hortense maybe could have been a good couple. According to contemporaries, they were both attractive, they were both smart and witty, they both loved reading and poetry, and I think they could have hit it off, or at the very least, been really good friends, but due to the fact that they were forced together and have no interest in each other, it just didn't work out. And then there's the kind of awkward fact that from the get-go, Louis was convinced that Hortense was constantly cheating on him due to Josephine's reputation, which probably wasn't helped by the fact that the rest of the Bonaparte family utterly loathed Josephine. It was so bad that Louis straight up told Hortense that if their first child was born less than nine months after their wedding night, he was going to divorce her on the spot and keep Hortense from ever seeing Josephine again. On the one hand, I can understand Louis's concerns, but on the other hand, 
What if she miscarries or has a stillbirth or the baby's born early? Gosh, Louie, it's almost like you don't understand basic biology. But luckily for Hortense, their first child, who is a son named Napoleon Charles, is born just a little over nine months after the wedding on October 4th, 1802. The birth of the son, Napoleon Charles, is super exciting for the entire Bonaparte family. At this point, Napoleon doesn't have any children of his own, and both of his other brothers, Joseph and Lucien, had only had daughters so far. So we finally have a male Bonaparte in the second generation. As a result, Napoleon is completely obsessed with Napoleon Charles and is going to completely spoil him. Louis is also pretty excited, but pretty soon after the wedding, he rejoins the Dragoons, gets promoted to Brigadier General, and leaves Hortense alone in Paris. But in 1804, he and Hortense do manage to pop out another kid named Napoleon Louis because, yeah, they're super creative with the naming. All of their children are going to have the name Napoleon in some form or another. Their second child, Napoleon Louis, is going to be baptized by the Pope himself, which is a huge fucking deal. It's really exciting that the Pope is recognizing their sign because this means that the Pope is recognizing their marriage, and the Pope didn't even recognize the marriage of Napoleon and Josephine. So for once in his life, Louis is beating Napoleon. And then in 1804, Napoleon becomes the Emperor of France. And as Emperor of France, Napoleon needs an heir. And as we've established, he doesn't have any children of his own. And everyone knows that he and Josephine probably aren't going to have any children together. He decides that he's going to make Napoleon Charles, aka Louis's oldest son, his heir. Because Napoleon Charles is his heir, Napoleon's like, well, it would make a lot of sense for me to just adopt the kid and have Napoleon Charles live in my palace with me. And Louis thinks about it for a second and says no, which surprises everyone because Louis has never actually said no to Napoleon, especially to something this big. This is a huge slap in the face to Napoleon. And why does Louis say no? It's for two reasons. Number one, Louis is sort of annoyed that Napoleon is passing over him for his child. And number two, he's worried that Napoleon is going to turn his children against him. Louis's refusal to let his son live with Napoleon causes one of the first major fights between the siblings. Even though it's a big fight, the two do manage to reconcile by 1805 because in that year, Napoleon promotes Louis twice. First, he makes Louis the constable of Paris, and then he makes Louis the governor general of Piedmont. Honestly, Louis isn't all that thrilled about either of these promotions because they're both a lot of work, and he keeps saying, oh, I'm too sick, I couldn't possibly do the job, and Napoleon's like, no, my dude, you're doing the job, but luckily for Louis, it turns out both positions are pretty much just ceremonial and involve him, like, being in parades and wearing fancy outfits, so it's fine. But then in 1806, Louis probably gets his biggest promotion of his life. That was the year that Napoleon made Louis the king of Holland. Basically, Napoleon invaded the Netherlands, and he needed someone to rule it. Someone who wouldn't cause that much trouble so that he could focus most of his time on conquering the rest of Europe. Hmm, who could be that someone who wouldn't cause that much trouble? Oh yeah, Louis. Napoleon's plan was to have Louis be a puppet king and to do whatever Napoleon told him to do because traditionally that had been Louis's role. Once Napoleon had finished invading the Netherlands, he gave the Dutch people two options. Either they could be 
fully annexed by France and no longer be an independent country, or they could accept Louis as their king and continue to be nominally independent. The Dutch took the second option because independence, even if it's only non even if it's only nominal, is great, and under the second option, Napoleon promised that he would not occupy the Netherlands with French troops. Spoiler alert, he was not going to keep this promise. As a result, in February 1806, Louis gets offered the Dutch crown. At first, Louis says no to being king. He says that the climate in Holland is going to be bad for his various diseases. But Napoleon makes him go. He tells Louis that it's better to die of disease as a king than to live a long time as a normal person, which is a hot take, I guess. As Louis is preparing to move to Holland, Napoleon does remind him that even though he's going to be the king of Holland, he is still French, and that bit of his identity and that loyalty has to come first. So with that little reminder ringing in his ears, Louis goes to Holland with his wife and his two sons in June 1806. Louis actually has a good start as King of Holland. He and Hortense get a really nice welcome. Everyone thinks Hortense is beautiful due to her blonde hair and blue eyes. They love her, and Louis makes a decent start of it. He uses a Dutch version of his name, and he tries to learn how to speak Dutch and is endearingly bad at it. For example, when he tries to say, I am the king of Holland, he instead says, I am the rabbit of Holland, and all the Dutch people laugh and immediately adore him. As a result, the two become decently popular and maybe the only Bonapartes to be genuinely popular in the lands that they rule. As King of Holland, Louis pulls a bit of an Elisa and attempts to do his own thing as ruler. Napoleon is kind of surprised by this. This is so not like Louis, who usually just lies around and whines about how he's feeling sick. Instead, Louis is actually making plans for Holland, except that his plans don't actually line up with what Napoleon wants, so the two siblings start fighting. Exactly like Napoleon and Elisa. Most of Louis's plans involve improvement, both financially and culturally. He pushes for more favorable trade between Holland and France. He's going to attempt to lessen the number of French soldiers in Holland. And Napoleon's like, okay, cool, yeah, you can do that. But don't expect me or the French government to help you with either of those things. If you want them, you have to do it yourself. And Louis's like, bro, that's not helpful at all. But he's going to make an effort at it. He's also going to attempt some cultural improvements. For example, Louis is going to open a Royal Academy of Science and a Royal Library in Amsterdam. And he's also going to be the one to open the Wilkes Museum in Amsterdam, which is now one of the major attractions in Amsterdam. And if you're ever there, highly recommend visiting. Louis also is going to do things that make him personally hugely popular with the local populations. For example, he helps out with flood relief in various towns, and he's going to be giving jobs in the Dutch government to Dutch people, not just to French cronies, which sets him apart from his siblings and makes him decently unpopular in France. So, Things as king are going pretty well for Louis. He's decently popular. However, he is having a slight falling out with Hortense. Because while Louis is loving Holland, Hortense is not. Sure, the Dutch people love her, but she misses Paris, specifically her mother. She and Josephine had always been extremely close, and now she's gone several years without seeing Josephine. And it's going to get worse, because in May 1807, their oldest son, Napoleon Charles, dies unexpectedly of the croup, 
which is super hard on everyone. Napoleon no longer has his heir, Louis and Hortense suddenly have lost their oldest son, and Napoleon's really mean towards them in the whole mourning process. He essentially tells Louis and Hortense to buck up and pull it together, and in the middle of mourning, Hortense decides to move back to Paris to be with her mother. About a year later, in April 1808, Hortense gives birth to her and Louis's final son, Louis Napoleon. And as a little note, yes, Louis and Hortense's last two children are named Napoleon Louis and Louis Napoleon, which is not exactly creative in the naming department. Good job, team. Louis is convinced that his last son is not his, and that Hortense had secretly been cheating on him. However, that is pretty unlikely. As Louis Napoleon gets older and older, he and Louis Bonaparte look more and more alike, and most modern-day historians are pretty convinced that Louis Napoleon was, in fact, Louis Bonaparte's son. So anyway, April 1808, Louis has his final child. By about 1808, things in Holland also start to get a little bit tense for Louis as well, because Napoleon starts to enlist Dutch people into his armies, even though he technically had said he wasn't going to. He also starts to crack down on British smuggling in Holland because it went against the continental system he was trying to implement. Basically, Napoleon was trying to keep England out of any trade on the continent in an attempt to weaken England and make it easier to beat in the whole power struggle. However, the Netherlands, specifically Holland, made a lot of money off of trading with England, and Louis recognized this, and he was like, eh... Cutting off trade with England is really going to hurt my kingdom. Maybe I should continue this. So Napoleon's attempt to crack down led to a lot of tension between the two, especially because Louis was pretty openly attempting to defy Napoleon. He went as far as to say that Holland should be able to have its own trade interests and maybe should be allowed to be neutral in the Napoleonic Wars. And then in 1809, England attacked the cities of Antwerp and Flushing. England didn't completely conquer the two cities, but the fact that England felt confident in this attack showed that Louis maybe wasn't fully in control of Holland anymore. After the attack, Napoleon said that Holland basically was a British colony, which maybe is going a little bit far, but he maybe had a bit of a point. As a result of this, Napoleon told Louis that he was fully going to annex Holland into France because Louis just couldn't be trusted to rule anymore. He gave Louis two options. Either Louis could agree to the annexation of Holland and get a compensation uh, in the form of a small kingdom in Germany or get to live in Paris as a prince, or Louis could refuse to the annexation, have the annexation happen anyway, be forcibly removed, and not get any compensation. Louis is not a fan of this annexation. He wants to stay on the throne of Holland. So he attempts to get some sort of compromise so that he could keep the crown of Holland. Thank you very much. But Napoleon is like, nope, baby brother, and starts moving troops into Holland. For all of Louis's flaws, he's not a complete idiot. He realizes that, yeah, the writing is on the wall, and he agrees to leave Holland without fighting because he knows he's going to lose this fight. So, Louis abdicates the throne of Holland on July 1st, 1810. He gives the throne to his son, Napoleon Louis, who at the time is five. Five-year-old Napoleon Louis will reign for a week as Louis II of Holland, the Napoleon sweeps in and annexes Holland away from Napoleon Louis. 
Louis then flees Holland to Bohemia, which Napoleon weirdly blames Hortense for, even though Hortense is off in Paris with Josephine, raising Louis Napoleon. And once Louis is in Bohemia, he spends a lot of time in the baths of Toplitz, mentally and physically recovering, which is fair if I was forced to give up a kingdom which wasn't even mine in the first place, I would probably spend a lot of time recovering at a fancy spa. Once he's at Toplitz, Louis then starts writing to Francis I of Austria, who by now is Napoleon's father-in-law, because Napoleon, being the messy bitch that he is, had divorced Josephine and had married Maria of Austria. And Louis manages to convince Francis I, who doesn't exactly like Napoleon, even though he is Napoleon's father-in-law, to get permission to stay in Austria. And Louis moves to Austria, specifically Graz, which is by Vienna, and starts going by the name Count of saint Lou instead of Louis Bonaparte, which is a real repudiation of his big brother. During his time in Austria, Napoleon keeps trying to convince Louis to come back to France, and Louis is like, oh, screw you. I'm going to stay in Austria. Thanks very much. As a side note, um, I was trying to figure out what the heck was going on with little five-year-old Napoleon Louis during all of this. I'm assuming he was either with Hortense or with his dad and wasn't just trapped in Holland, but I could not verify justice for Napoleon Louis. Anyway, during Louis's time in Austria, he really is able to embrace his identity as a writer for the first time in his life. He publishes a translation of Horace's poems and also starts putting out original poems. He also publishes a full-length book called Maria or the Torments of Love and I did manage to find a 19th century English translation of it and I read a little bit of it and I don't want to judge Louis Bonaparte's writing um but it wasn't really good in my opinion it was in both the first and second person at once so yeah I'm not sure if that was a choice that Louis made or if it was just the translation I was reading but if you're curious about the writing style of the Bonapartes read Maria or the Torments of Love during his time in Austria Louis really did seriously start to suffer from bad health. He dealt with some sort of stroke, which paralyzed one of his hands, and the paralysis was so bad that he could no longer move his fingers, which meant that he had to wear a special glove with an attached pen so he could continue his writing career. And also while he was in Austria, Louis's relationship with Hortense truly did start to fall apart for realsies this time. Remember, remember, Hortense is in Paris during all of this, and the two haven't seen each other for years by now. They decide that maybe it's time to get a divorce and go their own ways, but Napoleon is still interfering and he tells them that they can't get divorced. And even though both Louis and Hortense are pretty much estranged from Napoleon, they're not going to go against his wishes. So they stay married and Hortense starts to see a new guy who just happens to be Talleyrand's illegitimate kiddo because everything always comes back to Talleyrand. And Hortense and Talleyrand's illegitimate son finally have that illegitimate child that Louis had been so afraid of. Charles Auguste Louis Joseph du Morny, who will eventually become the Duke of Morny and who will play a major role in Louis Napoleon eventually becoming Napoleon III, which, as always, is a story for another podcast. In 1813, for a hot second, it looked like maybe, just maybe, Napoleon and Louis 
might reconcile. The two start bonding over how badly the Napoleonic Wars are going because, you know, Napoleon's doing the whole invading Russia thing. But then Louis makes the kind of stupid life choice of asking if he can have the crown of Holland back. And Napoleon says, absolutely not. You abandoned Holland by abdicating, even though Napoleon was the one who had forced Louis to abdicate, and just like that, the two brothers stop speaking yet again. That same year, Louis leaves Austria because Austria is starting to get extremely hostile towards France because of Napoleon, and Louis, as always, isn't an idiot. He realizes that being Napoleon's brother makes Austria maybe not the best place for him to be, and he decides to move to Switzerland because Switzerland is aggressively neutral. He will stay in Switzerland until 1814 because then the Allies are getting a little bit too close to comfort. On New Year's Day 1814, Louis leaves Switzerland and goes to Paris for his own safety, which is kind of questionable because I would argue Paris is maybe the least safe place to be as a Bonaparte, but whatever. Once he's in Paris, he wishes He finally reunites with Napoleon and wishes him luck on this upcoming and sure-to-be-doomed campaign against the Allies. Napoleon says, thanks, little brother. By the way, your job is to hold Paris against the Allies and help out Joseph in whatever happens. And Louis is like, cool, 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 cool. Good luck. And Napoleon leaves and... As soon as Napoleon leaves, loses, and abdicates, Louis goes goes back on his promise, pieces out, flees Paris, and goes to Italy. Louis is going to mostly stay in Italy for the rest of his life. After Napoleon abdicates, unabdicates, does the 100 days, loses the 100 days with Waterloo, and gets sent to St. Helena, Louis is going to ask Hortense, who by now is in Paris with both of the children, Napoleon and Louis Napoleon, who have survived all of the drama. Um, He's going to ask Hortense to send the older boy, Napoleon Louis, to live with him. Because as we've established, Louis doesn't really care all that much about his younger son because he's still convinced that his younger son isn't actually his. Hortense says, thanks, but no thanks. I'm keeping the kids with me. So Louis sues Hortense for custody. Louis technically wins the court case because we're in the 1800s and custody always goes to the father, but Hortense is going to ignore the court decision and keep the boys with her until 1817. Because in 1817, Hortense is going to move to Switzerland and bring the boys with her. And in this move, Louis is going to manage to seize custody of Napoleon Louis. But once again, he's going to ignore the existence of his younger son, Louis Napoleon. Once Louis has Napoleon Louis in custody, he's going to decide that he is going to be completely in charge of his son's education. It's very much like him and Napoleon when he was young, only less let's conquer Europe and more I'm just going to make sure that my son can read and write. So Louis is going to be raising his oldest son in Italy. He's going to be educating him. And during all of this, Louis is going to keep writing. Unlike earlier when his writing was bad poetry and bad novels, this time Louis's writing is going to be really focused on clearing his name over his adventures in Holland. It culminates in 1820 when Louis writes a book called Historical Documents and Reflections on the Government in Holland, which is all about his reign in Holland. In this book, he's very defensive about Holland and talks about the reforms he attempted and really blames Napoleon for what went wrong. Napoleon absolutely hates historical documents and reflections on the government in Holland and calls it libel, but there's not all that much that Napoleon can do about it because about a year after it's published, Napoleon dies of stomach cancer and not of arsenic poisoning. 
And if you want more details on that, you can listen to the Tangent Cast on Napoleon's death. A few years after writing his book on Holland in 1826, Louis moves him and Napoleon Louis to Florence, where he will live for most of the rest of his life. It's after this move to Florence that Louis starts to deal with some serious bad health, and it's actual bad health, not just imagined bad health, and he's going to be dealing with this for most of the rest of his life. In Florence, Louis is going to help set up the marriage of Napoleon Louis to his cousin Charlotte, who is the daughter of Joseph Bonaparte, which is nice and normal. Why wouldn't you want your son to marry his cousin? That's not frowned upon at all. By the late 1820s, Louis has reconciled with his youngest son, and from what I was able to tell, he is recognizing Louis Napoleon as his own. And both of his children are starting to get involved in some fairly radical political activities in Italy. They're both getting involved in anti-Austrian, pro-Republican uprisings in Rome. And as all this is happening in 1830, we're also getting some fun anti-Charles X, anti-Bourbon activities in France. This is the famous July Revolution of 1830. And Lucien Bonaparte actually wants both of Louis' sons to come back to France and maybe put one of them on the French throne so the Bonapartes can come back and rule France. But that's not going to happen because Louis' two kids are too busy in Rome trying to set up a Republican government. And then on March 17th, 1831, there's a huge anti-Republican crackdown in Rome. Shots are fired, and in the drama, Napoleon Louis, the older of the two, dies. The official government cause of death for Napoleon Louis is measles, but rumors swirled that he was shot, and that's what killed him. So suddenly, Louis' only surviving child is his last one, Louis Napoleon, the one who he didn't believe was his, but by now he's embraced Louis Napoleon. And Louis Napoleon is going to stay pretty decently involved in these various somewhat radical pro-Republican activities, but he has to peace out of Italy and say goodbye to his dear old dad. He moves to France and starts trying to overthrow the French regime, which is no longer Charles X, but is now his cousin, still a bourbon, Louis Philippe, aka the pair. In 1836, Louis Napoleon attempts a coup. It fails. He's captured. He escapes. He travels around the U.S. and Brazil for a bit. Louis is still in Italy, specifically Florence, being like, Louis Napoleon, what are you doing? In October 1837, Hortense dies. I'm sure Louis is kind of sad, but he hadn't seen his wife in 30 years, so it's not like it's tragic. Then, in 1840, Louis Napoleon attempts a second coup against King Louis-Philippe of France. This coup fails much more seriously, and he is sentenced to life in prison in the French city of Ham. This life imprisonment is super tough on Louis, who by now is much closer to his third son and is so sick at this point that he can't even walk, which means he's unable to visit Louis Napoleon in prison. Louis keeps writing to Louis Philippe, begging him to at least parole Louis Napoleon so he can see his son one final time, but Louis Philippe is like, hmm. Mano, I'm not going to do that. I am a pair. I have no emotions. Even though Louis can't see his son anymore, he does get permission the same year that Louis Napoleon is imprisoned to visit Holland for the first time since he's abdicated. He manages to go in disguise, even though he can't walk anymore. So I imagine he like gets wheeled over there. And even though he's in disguise, the Dutch people recognize him and start this giant cheer under his hotel window. And Louis is thrilled. It turns out the Dutch 
didn't hate him after all. They still love him. So a very happy, very old Louis Bonaparte returns back to Florence, where he's still sad because he still can't see his beloved youngest son. In 1846, Louis Napoleon does manage to escape from prison, and he's trying to return back to Florence to see his father, but he can't quite make it. He manages to get to England, but he can't get a passport to come back to Florence. Louis Bonaparte ends up dying on July 25th, 1846, at the age of 68. He never saw his son again. He's buried at Saint-Louis-la-Forette in Paris. Two years after his death, his son would become the president of France. But as always, that is a story for another podcast. So, for fans of the study guide who prefer bullet points to a full-on lecture, let's do a quick little recap of Louis Bonaparte. Louis was the fifth of the Bonaparte children. He was nine years younger than his famous older brother, which meant that he was only a baby when Napoleon left Corsica for the mainland. When Napoleon came back to Corsica, Louis was seven, and Napoleon decided that he was going to be responsible for raising Louis. Napoleon became Louis's tutor, taught him everything, and decided that he was going to make Louis the greatest soldier around. He quickly made Louis his aide-de-camp, took him to Italy, where Louis actually did a decent job fighting before deciding that the soldiering life just wasn't for him. He preferred to hang out at spas, write bad poetry, and fall in love with impractical daughters of noblemen. Napoleon wasn't a fan of this, and the brothers began having various falling outs over whether or not Louis should be a soldier or a bad poet. These falling outs continued until 1802, when Napoleon forced Louis to marry Napoleon's stepdaughter, Hortense. This marriage was not exactly helpful. Neither of the partners wanted to get married, and Hortense specifically was in love with someone else. Despite the unhappiness, Hortense managed to shove out three babies, Napoleon Charles, who was Napoleon's heir, Louis Napoleon, and Napoleon Napoleon Louis, and Louis Napoleon. In 1806, Napoleon made Louis the King of Holland. Louis was only supposed to be a puppet king, but then he surprised everyone and decided that he was going to do his own thing as King of Holland. He tried to do some financial reforms, and he really pushed to make Holland a cultural center. He opened up art museums, an academy of science, a royal library, filled the Dutch government with actual Dutch people in positions of power, and made himself really popular with the Dutch population. However, it made him less popular with Napoleon, who was kind of annoyed that his little baby brother was going against his own desires. Specifically, Louis did not want Napoleon enlisting Dutch people into the French army and tried to allow the Dutch to continue trading with England. The tensions between the brothers got so bad that in 1810, Napoleon decided that he was just going to annex Holland back into France, forced Louis to abdicate the throne, and Louis ended up having to flee Holland for France's enemy Austria. Louis ended up living in Austria for a few years, where he wrote some bad poems and novels of his own before going to Switzerland, where he would live until Napoleon abdicated the throne of France. Unlike some of his other siblings, Louis didn't really communicate or help out Napoleon during the whole abdication crisis. Instead, he fled to Italy, got embroiled in a pretty nasty custody battle with his wife Hortense, who he was still technically married to, even though the two were no longer on speaking terms, and Hortense actually had had an illegitimate child of her own. He did manage to get custody of his son, moved them to Italy, where the two boys got involved in various fun, anti-Austrian, pro-Republican radical movements of their own. His oldest surviving son, Napoleon Louis, 
died in some anti-Austrian radical activities, and suddenly there was only one child left, Louis Napoleon, who kept fighting against repressive regimes, specifically the French regime. It got so bad that Louis Napoleon got thrown in prison for life, and Louis would never see his son again. Louis Bonaparte ended up dying in 1846 at the age of 68. Two years after his death, his only surviving son would become president of France. All things considered, Louis Bonaparte, in my opinion, is kind of a puzzle. Yes, he had some really bad qualities. He was kind of whiny and lazy, but he also is kind of fun. He definitely drove Napoleon crazy, which I always support. And he had a soft spot for poetry, and he did genuinely try as King of Holland, but I think his bad qualities outweigh his good qualities. On my power rankings, he's nowhere as high as, say, Elisa or Lucien. He's not quite as high as Joseph, but he's definitely not the lowest on the list. For this episode, most of my research came from Shannon Sullen's March 2014 article, Louis Bonaparte, Napoleon's Defiant Puppet, Andrew Hillard Atteridge's book, Napoleon's Brothers, and Joseph Stevens Cabot Abbott's book, Hortense. As always, for a full list of sources and relevant images, you can visit the website at sadgirlstudyguides.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email the podcast at sadgirlstudyguides at gmail.com. I want to give a quick shout out to our newest patron, Kara D. Thank you so much. You have my unending friendship and love and adoration. You have removed a tiny particle of my sadness. Hooray for that. Next time, The study guide will be exploring Pauline Bonaparte, Napoleon's oh-so-scandalous little sister. As always, you can financially help the podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sadgirlstudyguides, where you get access to super cool bi-weekly tangent casts that talk about people, places, and things that the actual study guides couldn't quite fit in. And for social media, you can follow me on Twitter at sadgirlstudypod or on Instagram at sadgirlstudy. The best way to help the podcast grow is tell a friend or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, and let me know how I'm doing. Rate or review or else I'll be sad. Thanks.